Immerse yourself in rich biblical history and Christian heritage with Vision Tours. Exploring Australia, the Holy Lands and other global destinations. Forge bonds of lasting friendship as you fellowship with like-minded believers and discover a new richness in your faith in Christ and a broader understanding of the world's Christian heritage. Enjoy the fellowship of a lifetime with Vision Tours. Explore upcoming tour packages at vision.org.au slash tours. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective. 2020 on Vision. Some of the big issues, the big issues don't stop coming. Greg Bondar, welcome back to 2020. Oh, delighted to be here, Neil. Thank you. <clears throat> hey, Greg, let's start talking birth rates because Family Voice is about to begin a campaign to back a change to lift the birth rate. And uh, there's some ways you can get a campaign happening. Uh, let us in on what your thoughts are. Well, now, look, this is a very interesting uh, development. Uh, there is data to show that Australia's birth rate has plummeted to 1.58 babies per woman. Uh, in other words, now, we're heading very close to being at the bottom of the table along with uh, China and um, and in particular some other uh, other countries. And what ha- what's happening, Neil, is that we need to have growth in the population for the economy to grow. Now, I suspect, Neil, if I look at this and I had a look at the data, that now that we've got same-sex marriage, young ones are not getting married, uh, women are putting careers before family, the natural family is in decline, this is all adding up to the fact that our birth rate has fallen dramatically now. Now, some will say, well, you know, you want to keep all sorts of regulations out of bedrooms and you don't want to be manipulating people and the way their families develop. But there is a role that government plays in all of this. And I guess we've seen a number of examples over the years. But uh, you're going to be pursuing a campaign uh, to help parents split their taxable income to boost their ability to have children. How is that going to work? Well, look, as you know, I'm not a tax agent or a tax expert, but we have seen this before. An income split tax concession for married couples is really needed in the in the next budget in 2022, as this would help Australia's birth rate become more more sustainable. In other words, what we're saying is, well, we, we want to have married couples split their taxable income to boost their ability to have children. In other words, as you know, it's very costly. And uh, what you and I have both seen, and I don't know about you, but I, I've look at the figures. There have been billions of dollars spent on on um, childcare centres, and yet our birth, birth rate has continued to decline. So the money's being misspent. We're saying let's introduce income tax splitting concessions for married married couples. <clears throat> and as we say, examples over the years where yeah. government and tax can work when it comes to our uh, baby birthing, uh, thinking back to uh, when Peter yeah. Costello was the treasurer and uh, that birth rate lifting when he was saying, you know, one for uh, him, one for her and one for the country. And uh, and mm. so and that worked. Absolutely. But, I mean, this was introduced in 2004. The birth rate uh, sort of rose to two for a short period in 2008. So these incentives really work. And, and, and more importantly, and this is not just Family Voice or Greg Bonder saying, listen to Tesla CEO Elon Musk, who said, 
<clears throat> not enough people, there, there are not enough people which could threaten human civilization. In particular, he says, I think one of the biggest risks to civilization is the low birth rate and the rapidly declining birth rate, said the father of six at, at, at a recent Wall Street Journal annual, annual Chief Executives Council conference. So there, it's, you know, we've got international people echoing the same thing that we're saying now. <laughs> if we're turning the torch onto Australia, Greg, and uh, you've got some detail about how the states perform when it comes to the number of babies. And uh, one that you've singled out, Victoria, doesn't have a very good record. The fertility rate, just 1.43 babies per woman. Uh, that's that's pretty yeah. low, isn't it? Well, it is low, and, and, and there are reasons for that. The Victorian economy is very, has a very high cost of living in that state. Um, uh, and, and then if, if you compare it to 1960s, Neil, the women, the birth rate was three. Point five five. If you look at your own state, Queensland, Neil, it is now dropped to one point seven in two thousand and nineteen to one point six in twenty twenty. So that's falling as well. Now there could be reasons for that, but I, I keep saying same sex marriage, no marriage at all, women making careers rather than families, the decline of the natural family, all these add up to make it that, you know, that we've got to consider that babies are precious and they are the future of our workforce and our economic balance now. So looking down the track and what things will be like, and uh, you've got a thought or two around how things might look in 10 years, and you can make a yep. comparison to what things were like in the 1970s, and, and the trajectory yep. doesn't look good. It doesn't. Now look, in just 10 years, we've calculated our median population age will be 40 and double a double a double of what it was in the 1970s uh, when in that, in, in that period you know the households had around about three children what's happening is that this trend has to be reversed and there are calls now for the for the birth rate to incre increase because we are actually headed from an economic social point point of view to a, what's called a, a demographic winter the rapidly aging population has to be addressed because if these young ones don't have children, then our future growth for society and indeed the family, it's just going to be at risk now. And a little bit of comparison to China and Italy, because as you talk about the low birth rate here in Australia, the birth rate, China and Italy, is low as 1.3, half of what is required for self-sustaining in a country. So, uh, here in Australia, we're below self-sustaining and uh, no doubt there's a whole other conversation to have about immigration yeah. and what that means. But uh, but yes, uh, today, uh, talking about that uh, that trajectory, things not looking mm. positive. Not at all. With our 1.58%, we're heading towards China and Italy. Uh, immigration has its own issues, as you know. Under COVID, we've, had, we've been restricted. And, you know, I remember my economics when I did economics at Sydney University, one of the key things to grow an economy were its people, population, and you increase population either two ways, natural birth or immigration. So it's very important that we go to the birth rate, get, get Australians to, you know, mums and dads to be encouraged to have children and to make this country grow um, under a perfectly natural family uh, system where, you know, mums and dads can, you know, have children and, and, and they will be the future of our 
our society. You know, and I've, I've shared this with my grown-up children who are now having their own families, and, uh, you know, there's always this thought, oh, I'm going to get some money from the government, uh, family payment structure and those sorts of things, and, and I've said, oh, don't feel guilty about getting money from the government. It's not that the government thinks it's wonderful that you're being a parent, but the government is investing in a future taxpayer, and so the government does have to support our families because uh, those children that we have, those grandparents, grandchildren we have uh, they are in fact future taxpayers and so yes uh, uh, all the best on that campaign let's monitor that as it goes greg it sounds like an important one hey let's talk euthanasia in new south wales uh the uh uh, the inquiry you have in fact uh, made a presentation to an inquiry before it gets a vote in the upper house there what what have you been able to present to the uh, to the new south wales upper house inquiry yeah look i appeared before the um a New South Wales Parliament uh, Committee inquiry on, on, on Tuesday, and um, it was very interesting <clears throat> the the viewpoints that various MPs have on voluntary assisted dying. I have to tell you that uh, we made a couple of points and we said to the inquiry that the bill as presented will result in greater deaths through suicide. Now, they, they certainly will because what this will do it will legitimise death through state-sanctioned legislation. Now, that is wrong. I mean, we're talking here about young kids. We're talking here about the lonely, the depressed. And, and I can only quote this figure because this really highlights the point that I made to the parliamentary inquiry on Tuesday. In Canada in 2016, they legalised euthanasia for terminally ill adults. Now, at that time, there were 1,000 medically-assisted deaths. Now, listen to this, Neil. Within four years, it jumped to 7,595 in 2020. So within from 2016 to 2020, according to Health Canada, it skyrocketed. We want to make sure that, does not, that it does not happen in New South Wales. Unfortunately, you've got it in Queensland, you've got it in the other states. But this is tragic. If that is the case, people are killing themselves the state has sanctioned it, Bill. Well, it is an example, isn't it, of what happens on what we'll often refer to as a slippery slope. You uh, put the door ajar and all of a sudden it's flung wide open. And so, as you say, while it starts off and it all sounds very compassionate, the expansion then includes non-terminal conditions and, and then it goes from one to another. And this is the frightening bit because in Canada, and this will follow, the trend will follow, They've introduced now voluntary assisted dying for the non-terminally uh, uh, people. So what's happening? And it's just predicted. And they're also going to include in 2023 to allow mental illness to be a category to be eligible for VAD, voluntary assisted dying. Now, not only that, now this is really disturbing. Netherlands and Belgium now legally not only for those who are terminally ill, but also for those who are mental illness. In other words, they're being copied here, here in, in Australia. The disturbing feature, and I've spoken to some Indigenous people because I used to work with them. Um, at, uh, I was a chief executive of a local Aboriginal land council where I was looking after them for a couple of years. They are totally opposed to assisted suicide. Isn't it funny, Neil, that all the talk about Black Lives Matter, the rhetoric, has no relevance when you're talking about voluntary assisted dying. So I think the politicians have a lot to answer for 
They have this VAD bill and they totally ignore the Indigenous peoples of Australia. And uh, this, uh, you, can, you can speculate about where this is leading. And if we talk about a slippery slope, uh, it's only another step away from how you deal with uh, prisoners and uh, mm. the, p- the potential for capital punishment. Uh, this is uh, just a step away, isn't it? A lethal injection. It's something similar to what you're talking about with voluntary assisted dying. Yeah, I made this point to the, to, to, to the parliamentary inquiry. I said, if you agree with a lethal injection for somebody with terminal illness or terminal suffering or whatever you want to call it, and you agree to that, then surely you must agree to capital punishment where you have lethal injection for, you know, say, suffering from, uh, you know, long-term in, in jail. So, Neil, it's contradictory. It's not consistent. And I think the fact, that the fact is that we have to make sure that people are not taking the view that, oh, the government has now said we can kill ourselves, we'll go ahead and do it. And I'll tell you what, Neil, based on overseas uh, research, they will do that. And more disturbingly, in in Netherlands and Belgium, they are now looking at authorising VAD, voluntary assisted dying, for children from 1 to 12. Neil, this is tragic, absolutely tragic if we let this happen. And uh, there's got to be some ways you can take action. Uh, Campaigns that will go through Christmas and New Year, have you got something happening uh, on your Family Voice website where people can participate and at least getting uh, their voice heard here? Is there something... Yeah, we certainly... Yep. Yep. No, sorry, no, we certainly do have a campaign, as you you rightly alluded to. Uh, We're saying... continue to write to the upper house members in New South Wales if you are in New South Wales but really from anybody to make sure that you know you let them know that this is not the way of the future I mean we cannot have a voluntary assisted dying allowing people as I said who are depressed and what have you to try and take their own life so what we're asking you please write to the MPs and this will be considered over uh, the the summer break um, and it will go to the upper house, and don't forget, in 2017, it was defeated by one vote. So that can happen again, and God willing, it will now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I want to touch on the webinar that you had earlier this week, and uh, you invited the uh, senator, the Honourable Michaelia Cash. Uh, who's the one who's basically behind the religious discrimination bill. And, of course, that's into a couple of inquiries and there'll be a vote sometime next year. But uh, what are the highlights of your conversation with uh, the senator? Well, she, um, the Attorney-General, Michaelia Cash, appeared yesterday now, which is Wednesday, uh, uh, with a webinar, and um, she underwent some questioning. And I have to tell you, first, I want to congratulate her for, for turning up and, and, and talking to us. She wants to engage with people like Family Voice. Now, we had a long chat about a couple of things, and I think we've found some common ground uh, where, you know, the legislation is lacking. Here are some examples for you, if I can. One of the, thing, one of the questions I asked her yesterday was, why has the government left conscience protection provisions out of the Religious Discrimination Bill? Well, Hallelujah, Neil. She agreed with that, and they're going to have a look at that. And she even asked me, because I'm going to be appearing before the Senate on the 21st of December in Canberra, she even said, please raise that matter with the inquiry, the Senate inquiry in Canberra, because that's an issue that's been totally ignored. So there's one example for you, Neil. Uh, what about the way that the proposal may, in fact, have some 
uh, overriding provisions uh, for some of the states? Because if the federal legislation doesn't have that, uh, what's the use of it anyway? Well, Neil, I'm glad you asked that because one of the other questions I asked the Attorney-General was, will the government introduce regulations to override state acts that restrict faith schools from employing staff on the basis of their faith? And the answer is, hallelujah again, she said, yes, the act will override the state legislation. So we're hoping that that will be the end result when the final uh, version of the bill comes out. Okay. Hey, Greg, uh, what sort of events have you got coming up? I mean, we're getting close to Christmas. A lot of people are sort of winding things down. Uh, What have you got happening uh, that listeners might be able to participate in? Well, Neil, I've got a couple of things. I've got to help my wife make some Christmas cakes. But but that's uh, no, nothing. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's nothing unusual for me because no. I have to help my wife because I've got to eat it. But look, we have got some. <laughs> we've got some really interesting things coming up. In particular, as I said, I'm appearing before the Senate inquiry into religious discrimination. Well, that's on Tuesday, the 21st of December. So we're looking forward to uh, uh, making our case heard because that will be also heard over the uh, summer period. And one of the things we've got to make sure, Neil and this was asked of the Attorney-General, we want to make sure that the bill sees the light of day before the next election, Neil. It's critical. It's critical that Australia has a religious discrimination bill. It's not perfect, but let's work with the AG and the government to get it right, Neil. Okay. well, let me point listeners to familyvoice.org.au and you'll find all sorts of... uh, resources there, whether it's articles or the sorts of webinars that we will often talk about uh, with Greg Bondar. Uh, Greg, always appreciate your insights. Greg Bondar is Family Voice Australia State Director for New South Wales and the ACT. The website is familyvoice.org.au. And uh, Greg, look forward to an update next week. It'll be our last one for the year next week. But thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Yeah, thank you, Neil, and every blessing to in your audience. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.